0: If the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus, why does the wrath of God abide on those outside of Jesus? I don't
1: think God's wrath is ever him being against you. Okay. I think his wrath is always him being for you. Okay. And he wouldn't be for you if he lets you continue to be evil.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church Podcast. My name is Ethan.
1: And my name is Derry. And guys, if you haven't, you can check us out on all of our social medias. We have a lot of extra content there, as well as a Patreon. We also have, might start releasing episodes early for people who want to subscribe there, uh, just to help us uh, keep buying mics and getting lights and stuff. We uh, buy but, a
0: really weird amount of mics. Yeah, it's
1: really crazy. We have like 10. We have
0: we have a shelf of mics. We don't use them. We just like buying them.
1: Just kidding. We just have two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can check us out everywhere. We got all of our... Extra content on all the different social media platforms, so you can check it out if you like more short form content. Sorry, today my voice is a little gone. I've been sick for the last uh, four or five days. Yeah.
0: Pray for him. Yeah. He's probably better by the time this comes out, but hopefully, it's been a month. Recording yeah. this on November 10th. Yeah. Coming out first week of December or something <coughs> like that,
1: or some, or before that I think,
0: or after that it depends.
1: Who knows? Who knows? Whenever we
0: out. want because that's how we. Maybe
1: it'll never come out.
0: Maybe this won't be. Maybe we'll you'll be never out. hear. I don't know.
1: Maybe the world end before that. Maybe. Wow. Maybe, we don't. Wow.
0: We're not promised tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Or the so rest that's of this why we have the
0: podcast every day, so we can be grateful for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
0: There we go. Yeah. Um, well, guys, today we're going to be talking about something that maybe comes off a little bit triggering for people, mm-hmm. or confusing, maybe a little bit emotionally charged, and that is the topic of the wrath of God. Mm. Going to be talking about. How we've thought about it growing up, yeah. where we see in the Bible, how do we understand God's love if He's wrath, if mm. not, He's not wrath, if He has wrath, mm. um, and then talking about other ways that we can think about the wrath of God at this point in our lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially today, it can be really easy for a lot of people to just kind of ignore the wrath of God and maybe have a negative attitude towards it, even. Mm-hmm. And they would never, you'd never say a statement like, Oh, I don't believe in the wrath of God or I don't like this thing or that thing. But in our hearts, we kind of think like, I don't like it. Like that's not how I would have done it. Like I wouldn't be wrathful necessarily. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can just have kind of a shyness towards it. And it just comes from a a not understanding what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And even a lot of people will downplay the wrath of God and saying like, Oh, like God doesn't really have wrath. Like he isn't angry about like this thing or that thing. And like, discount the emotions that God has towards the things that happen that are very real, right? Mm -hmm. And that you Mm -hmm. you couldn't understand who God is, especially though that lens of the Old Testament, if you don't understand the wrath of God. Uh You know what I mean? Like there's a few things you can't understand. Like if you don't understand God being called like the Lord of angel armies, right? Or a warrior. Right. Or like wrathful. Like these are just Old Testament like themes that are very, very prevalent, Mm -hmm. especially in the prophets and stuff. So we really have to understand what the wrath of God is to effectively read the Bible, understand it, Um, but just understand God's character. Like It's a big part of God's character. Right. Right? So it's something we need to talk about and understand, and that's what we're doing today.
0: Yeah. It looks like the word wrath, now this isn't probably always Mm -hmm. in the guise of God's wrath, um, but the word wrath, is used 187 times mm-hmm. in the Bible.
1: Yeah. So. Wait, 187? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yep. Is that, is that per translation or? This is
0: a NASB that I have.
1: Okay. Um. I have 181 on Bible Gateway right okay. now.
0: Okay. So yeah, maybe it's just. What was yeah, yours? 187.
1: Okay. Might just be like Let few. me try a different translation. Yeah. One eighty. Uh-oh, do we
0: find a contradiction in the Bible? <laughs> no. Is my faith falling apart because of it?
1: Mine already has.
0: It gives you a, a weirder number. If you That's use good. the passion translation, you might get wrath zero Dude, I, times. Let's find it. What's the passion translation <laughs> called on here? TPT.
1: What do they have it?
0: I don't know. Probably it's Bible Gateway. I mean oh no, I think they removed it.
1: Can you just search for Bible Gateway? Like oh, I think you can't.
0: they I think they removed because uh, the cause the Passion Translation isn't completely finished yet either.
1: Oh. Uh I don't see it on here. Let's see how many there are in the Orthodox Jewish Bible
0: isn't that just the old testament
1: 216
0: I, I typed in google how many times is wrath in the passion translation and it gave me a translation from english to spanish that says <laughs> how many times is wrath in the passion
1: <laughs> that's awesome
0: <laughs> thanks cool yeah we're not worried about technology taking over anytime soon mm. no we're not it can't uh That's so funny. Okay. Anyways, it's used about one hundred eighty times that we can see, and so we really want to talk about like one. Derry, have you ever heard a sermon on the wrath of God growing up?
1: Oh yeah, you did tons of times. I did not, (laughs) but I mean, I was from a normal church. (laughs) We did verse by verse.
0: He's like, I want to do the. That's basically Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Reality is like Calvary, Calvary, Calvary Chapel. I feel like without the dispensationalism. Yeah. And well, no, we had that. Futurism. No, we had that. It doesn't seem like we do.
1: Yeah, maybe not. I'm not sure. But we did when I was growing up. Okay. It was really hot in like the 2000s. Dis- dispensationalism was, was trending when oh, we were was growing up. Oh, it was trending hardcore. Yeah. If you weren't a futurist, you weren't a cool kid. Yeah, you weren't cool <laughs> at all. Everybody was the futurist and dispy, and now it's so not cool. To the be height of things.
0: dispensational and, and futurism was Obama's presidency.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it kind of ended with Trump a little bit. It ended with Trump. Ended with absolutely. Trump. I think it's like people are really hardcore with it with Trump now, but people just got on the internet more and we're like, oh, wait. They're like, wait. Yeah. Oh. The internet, honestly. They found our podcast. <laughs> the internet has done so many bad things, but it's done so many good things for the Christian faith, just in broadening people's horizons to what the heck anybody actually believes
0: and giving people access to church history too.
1: Because you just have pastors that are like the classic church, right? It's one pastor, maybe a secretary and an assistant pastor who's the youth pastor or something and that's it. Worship right? leader. Uh but they're probably not Usually
0: un- married to the pastor.
1: Yeah, 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 right. And they're usually not employed. Yeah. And so it'll just be a couple people there and your pastor maybe went to seminary for four years. But besides that, all the rest of the education is just whatever they want to read. Right. And yeah. so you're just getting a whole bunch of information from this dude. And like what you're getting is just his version of what he thinks Christianity is. And that's all you're ever learning about wow. God. Wow! But now we have like a wealth of knowledge at our fingertips to where we can go to seminary online for free, basically, and learn from all these different people that are awesome. And you're like, Oh, I can actually get to know what like Catholic people believe. They're not just demons. Right. Like well, my pastor said.
0: Well, <laughs> you might be reading the wrong book yeah I'm just kidding I am reading the wrong. I know we have Catholic friends I'm just kidding hmm. I don't think he has other demons yeah and so, I do want to have Tate on to talk about mariology because I have a burning question for him true true, true. and true. we told him he we'd have Mon and we have it so we're actively lying right now yeah which me, means me and chance that we're talking
1: us. about an Orthodox miracle that happened at the picnic tables the other day um an Orthodox
0: with... miracle happened at the picnic tables
1: yeah at the picnic tables it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but it was like this good, was dude dude who's a priest and he was going blind, went blind eventually, prayed, and had uh Mary appear to him in a dream. And he woke up and his sight was completely restored. And so he Whoa. went he went to the church that he was the father of or whatever. And the statue of Mary that they had, or like a painting. Or no, no, it wasn't a painting. It was a um what do you call it? a sculpture of okay. Mary? The eyes were crying myrrh. Weird. Yeah. And apparently now it's like a it's venerated by the like Orthodox Church as like an actual miracle because they have to do that. To, like, yeah. say It's a miracle. Wow. And it always cries myrrh now. Like, like you can't see it, but I it always one. smells good. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said a couple weeks ago on the how podcast. How was that? Uh, a long time ago. Oh, okay. I don't know. But like we said earlier on the podcast, it's so funny how it's like Protestant miracles are just so like normal. Like our miracles, like whatever the New Testament said, that's what's happening. You know, like yeah, people like, are getting healed, like eyesight's coming back. Yeah. But in, in like Catholicism and in Orthodoxy, it's like this piece of bread has like the face of God like on it. And like God appeared in the sky in these clouds. And we have this Shroud of Turin and like all this stuff. You're right, like, whoa, right. like your miracles are so weird.
0: You're like, really? That's not. I don't remember the Bible saying. But it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Like it's probably legit. But it's right. also just so funny. It's Yeah. It's really funny because like in the continuationist, I don't know if you call it tradition, but world. It's like, oh, yeah, that person got healed. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. That just happened to the guy last week too. Yeah. Like, Oh, that's awesome. We have, that's like our 13th healing, healing this week, mm-hmm. you know, which is really cool. I think it's, which is really amazing. We think about it. Like there's a lot of Christians out there who experience the healing power of God hmm. and like are just normal people who are like, like there's tons of stories. If you guys like I've referenced Reverend radio before if you mm-hmm. check them out, they have like all these stories. Like we in our community have these stories and it's really interesting to think of like, if you actually like sit and think about how profound it is that like healings are happening and we're witnessing them and seeing them, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. You're like, yeah, Christianity's true. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. It's pretty Maybe. wild. I don't know what else to say. Pretty crazy. Okay. So with the wrath of God. Yeah. We're on a little bit of a side quest. We want me to Good talk about quest. the Old Testament
1: a little bit? Yes. And then we can yes. go to the New Testament. Let's
0: introduce. Yeah. What is the theology? What What, what do we mean by the wrath of God? Yeah. You know, like, what does the Old Testament have to say about it? So let's talk about like a definition, defining, and getting Mm. a biblical understanding. Mm.
1: We could just read some of the verses just to see what the verses say. Not that we have anything like, I don't have anything picked out necessarily, but just to see what, like, sort of an overview is. In my opinion, if you just read the Old Testament and you're thinking about the wrath of God, Mm. the wrath of God is very heavily, obviously, connected with anger and hatred. And Uh, it is? Not heavily, pretty heavily. Like, if you, if you read all, especially, like, the prophets, like, it's right. It's pretty, yeah. like, clear the wrath of God is connected to God's hatred for the things that yeah, have happened. Yeah, it's there. Yeah.
0: I just feel like sometimes we don't harp on the love of God in the Old Testament enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the place of this episode. But, yeah. yeah, the wrath is definitely more evident in the Old Testament than the New Testament.
1: Yeah, I'm just talking about associations to things. Okay. If we're trying to understand okay. what wrath is. Like, what is it associated with if we don't understand what the word okay. itself? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so it's... Often talked about um, with justice and with coming judgment, um, with God's hatred and all that kind of stuff. Disobedience. Disobedience, yeah. The main place I think I see it associated is with the coming day of the Lord. And I think the day of the Lord is the thing that God's wrath is usually combined with, especially in the prophets. Yeah? Because mm-hmm. God's wrath is often like okay. a coming thing that's going to happen. Mm, okay. And so I think to understand God's wrath in the Old Testament, we have to talk about the day of the Lord a little bit. Yeah 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 and a lot of people because of dispensationalism think that the, the day of the lord is like this coming thing like when i originally it's the,
0: yeah it's the second coming of jesus it's the rapture it's right. all
1: that stuff right so that like god's wrath hasn't come yet it is coming soon right god's so wrath. new it's coming soon <clears throat> which isn't necessarily wrong that god's wrath is like still coming but it's very clear from the old testament that the the, the wrath of God has come as well, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think anytime God brings his judgment, we can see in the Old Testament that the wrath has come. Like the wrath of God has come. The day of the Lord has come, mm-hmm. like on the actions of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we can see God's wrath displayed, obviously, lots of different times in the Old Testament, meaning it has come and like days of the Lord have come. There's not just like one day of the Lord that's right. coming. It's,
0: it's like the the day of the Lord is the day that God executes is justice, yeah. which is often called wrath, yeah. um, which is like anger towards sin, exactly. You know, exactly. And we see that when the northern tribe of Israel gets sent into exile, mm-hmm. never to return, and I think mm-hmm. five like twenty something yep. uh, BC, and then that happens. What's that?
1: Wrath comes on the northern tribe all the time as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then uh, happens to the southern tribe of Judah mm-hmm. in like seven hundred something when they go to the Babylonian exile. Yep, and so. Yeah, always is associated with like when the Lord chooses to execute justice. Mm, when, he's, yeah. when he's when he's when when the sin has got to the point where he can no longer display mercy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's always a period when it comes to the day of the Lord of warning and waiting for repentance, people not repenting, and then God saying like I've given you enough time, like my wrath has to be satisfied because the things you're doing are too atrocious or you haven't turned away. Right, and it always, in my opinion, always have to do with God uh, bringing a new hope or purifying His people, which yes. is really significant, right? Unless like you're you, the northern tribe of Israel, yeah, 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 you were just done, yeah. If you <laughs> read a lot of, uh, most of, I think the prophets, yeah, go for it.
0: Sorry, I want to amend my statement. Not Jesus came back for the lost tribes of Israel, yeah, the yeah, northern yeah. tribe, yeah. Just wanted to correct that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you read a lot of the minor prophets and like the normal prophets, there's always warning, judgment coming. This is what the judgment's gonna be, right? But after the judgment has come, there's almost like one paragraph, one chapter at the end of every book that's like, but a new Israel will come, or a remnant will survive, or mm-hmm. my people will be purified, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just finished reading uh, Zephaniah, and Zephaniah is really interesting because it's written during the period of King Josiah, like the little kid, right? Okay, yeah. And Zephaniah, and it's right after King Manasseh is like the king, who's a terrible king, like has the people go into like ball worship and human sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. Right. And this kid becomes king and they find Deuteronomy like, yeah, in the yeah. temple again, when they're like they'll rediscover it and they're like, oh, my gosh, we should probably follow this. Right. Because <laughs> imagine reading the Torah for the first time in like hundreds of years.
0: Yeah. You know, they, they forgot about it. And they're like, realize like, oh, my gosh. We're doing all these things that it says not to do. Yeah. I just imagine like the panic and dread that would come over someone like, holy crap. Yeah.
1: So it says that Josiah read about a, like this curse and they attribute the curse uh, most of the time to Deuteronomy, uh, I think 26 and 27. Yeah. And so yeah. they think that they found the book of Deuteronomy in there because like they don't think they just found like all of the scrolls. They just found a scroll and it right. was Deuteronomy. Who knows? That's true. But that's just like what I've read. And so, like they found it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, we need to repent." So they repent, but Zechariah still is prophesying this like day of the Lord that's coming for them because of the evil that they've done, mm-hmm. right? So like mm-hmm. the Lord, sometimes the Lord relents, you know what I mean? Sometimes he doesn't. But Zechariah prophesies about the people like of that day, and he's like, "There are many of you like like who are righteous, but like many of you, like most of you, aren't, and are worshiping these other mm-hmm. idols, right? Worshiping Asherah, worshiping Baal, like all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like." And it says that God needs to purify you like these like turn away from these things so that like the wrath, like w- not want to abide on you, but that like you will be like saved with Christ. But like that doesn't mean that the wrath is still not coming for like the evil that's happened in your nation. And God judges like groups, not necessarily just individuals. Mm. Right. And so these people sometimes. are Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So these people are still going to be a part of God's like wrath. Right. At least that's what Zachariah is saying. But he he says at one point in Zachariah, I can't remember where it is. Um, Let me see if I wrote it down in my notes. At the end, basically the last like paragraph of, so I said Zechariah. I meant Zephaniah. Um, The last paragraph, God says like, I need to remove the evil people from you so that I can purify you and you can become mine again. That kind of thing. Right. Uh So he's like, my wrath is purifying you. Right. Yeah i want to restore you to like to be my israel And i think that's a lot of the picture that wrath has in the old testament or the coming day of the lord has is to purify to bring his people back to himself all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. right
0: yeah and that's a whole that could open up a whole another conversation of like is everyone being purified are mm-hmm. the people who are the evildoers if they don't repent do they get purified do they yeah. you know that that's a big conversation in itself mm-hmm. but yeah and, and then that idea of wrath of god it's continued on into the new testament as well, which is, mm. which is really the crux of my questions mm. or has been the crux of my questions in, in my studies on this topic, because mm. Jesus says in John 3, 36, like whoever believes in the son has eternal life, who does mm. not, ob- whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Yeah. So that would be like, okay, you'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah. If you're outside of Christ, the wrath of God abides, mm-hmm. which is like, wait, I thought God loves sinners. Why would he have his wrath on them? That's yeah. one question that comes up. Second question is going back to the prophets in Isaiah 53 and verse six, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned away everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right. Talking about Jesus. So there's this idea that Jesus came to take away this, the sins of the world Mm -hmm. also in the new Testament. And therefore if, if wrath has to do with punishing sin, and all the sins of the world have been taken care of in Jesus, why does wrath abide? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we don't have to answer that now if we have other things. We'll that talk we wanna... about at the end for sure. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get there. So that's one of the questions. Um, but yeah, it's just like one of those concepts where like, how do you understand the wrath of God? Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, a lot of times the Old Testament is associated with the wrath of God. But something that's so interesting, and you always have to keep this always have to keep this in mind when you're, uh talking about the wrath of god looking at the old testament seeing all these confusing things is the nature and character of god is gracious and compassionate mm-hmm. slow mm-hmm. to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness yeah as exodus 34 tells us and so what we see is that slow to anger is like it's a like good good slow to anger good good like mm-hmm. good attribute good attribute slow to anger and then following two more attributes so the the author is like making this is tim mackey's um I think it's Tamaki's take. Someone else, someone's taking my research, not my own original mm. thoughts. Um, but they say that you can see the picture of God's anger is that he's slow to anger, and that his anger is actually surrounded by his goodness. Mm. So whenever you're seeing the wrath of God, you have to keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, like, okay, it seems like God's mad. It's pretty clear actually that he's mad, he's actually punishing these people. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so but how do I understand this in in the lens of God is slow to anger mm. and his good, his anger is a result of his loving goodness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So how would, how would we understand some of these old, old Testament verses where it talks about like, um, like he's gonna pour out his wrath on, on these people and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I just don't think people for sure. If you, on your first reading, you're like, wow, like if you just take the amount of times that wrath is mentioned in the old Testament versus how much is mentioned in the new Testament, like it's, there's a big difference. If you go to Bible Gateway, I'm pretty sure in the NIV, um, the Old Testament mentions it 181 times, and the New Testament mentions it 29 times. Oh, interesting. Right? And, of course, there's much less uh, just real estate in general mm-hmm. in the New Testament than there is in the Old Testament. Right, right. It talks about it a lot. And the problem is we just don't know how to read the Bible. You the problem I mean? is we don't know how to read the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the type of writing is different in the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's one part, right? Um, you're also, you see, like, God speaking to just a nation, right? Like just like one people group. And it's often about their conduct and like how to, how to live like holy lives before the Lord. And, um, when we read it, we just read, Oh, they did a bad thing. And then this whole, this whole letter or not the whole letter. Sorry. This whole like prophecy, this book is all just about how this prophet's like you guys suck a lot (laughs) and you just don't (laughs) stop sucking. And now God has to kill you or has to send this nation to destroy you. And it's like, over and over and over it's just like
0: you're like reading Isaiah you're like guys, oh sad. Come on. read Jeremiah like I, feel like I just read this
1: read Ezekiel like oh my gosh what is happening yeah These guys are just cheating. There's, there's so much nuance in all of them too like when you study them but if you just read it like on a first reading and you're not paying super close attention you don't know the historical context all that kind of stuff it can seem like man this is just the same story over and over of like freaking people doing a bad job and then which you'd
0: probably be right the old Testament is kind of written in a way that's kind of makes you feel like, will humanity
1: ever get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And so obviously the purpose of what's being written is very different from what's being written in the new Testament. The audience is different. The style of writing is different because they're thousands of years apart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The stories are, um, so, like, the, it's the, the the purpose is very different. But you see the same attributes of God displayed in the exact same ways, in my opinion, in the Old and in the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You always see God's goodness, like, sandwiched in on both sides. Like, like, I am good. I have to, like, bring my wrath against the evil that's happening here. I'll give you so much time, the patience of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So you have his goodness, and you have his slow to anger. And then you have, at the end of, like, after the wrath comes, after he is angry and he does, like, Punish people. You have hope and restoration. You have his goodness sandwiched there again. So it's the yeah. same image yeah. that John gives of goodness, slow to anger, and then um, and then goodness again. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I think it's the same, same image in both places, and it just is the case. And this can be frustrating to some people that because we love fairness, right? Mm-hmm. That if you read a lot of the ultimate Old Testament stories, that God isn't. Always operating by the same rules when it comes to his wrath, right? Like he always is good and he always is slow to anger, but not all the time does he relent. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm. people like punishment needs to come. Yeah. So sometimes
0: thinks. like a kingdom repents, and God's like, "Okay, I'll yeah. give you a couple
1: more years." You see it with Nineveh. Yeah, and then right? the
0: other kingdom like like we repent, and God's like, "Look, I appreciate your repentance. Mm-hmm. The, the sin is too much.
1: Yeah, you like, need to be purged. Yeah. Yeah." And you can see it like in Sodom and Gomorrah when, like, he's like, uh, if, "If there's ten people, like, will you spare mm-hmm. them?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he doesn't keep going, but he's like, "He can't even find ten right. righteous people." Right. Right. It's kind of like if you have
0: like a, a little if you if you go to the doctor and there's a little bit of cancer in you, mm-hmm. and the the doctor's like, "Hey, we got to take this cancer out." And you're like, "Oh, but what if I stop eating and I change my diet and I do all these things? Will the cancer go away?" And the yeah. doctor's kind of like yeah if you do the, do those things we don't have to do surgery and you'll mm. be healed and so people do that but mm-hmm. sometimes the cancer's gotten to such a point where it's like we have to go d- into radiation we have to take you into surgery and take mm. this thing out and and because the cancer has been too it's too prevalent it's too much and so yeah. that's kind of how the sin is to the land where and to the people where God's like look if you repented like a hundred years ago 50 years ago I, I probably could have done something but now mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where I gotta bring it I gotta shut it down yeah
1: In Zephaniah, I think this illustration works really well, but I think it works with the other ones as well too. You always have some kind of proclamation or if for Bible students out there, like an oracle of warning or an oracle of judgment that's coming in the Old Testament when it comes to God's wrath, right? And I can imagine if you're an Israelite, right? Probably not all of them were corrupt. There's probably some people who know like what they're thinking or know what they're they're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe are just aware and and wanna follow the Lord, yeah? And so when they hear these prophecies coming about from these prophets, the problem, some of them, maybe 10 people would be like, oh, shoot, like probably should repent. You know what I mean? (laughs) And maybe they do. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if you think about the fire imagery that's all over the place in the Old Testament and the New Testament of being refined, um, and especially like the, the purification that it talks about in Zephaniah, there's like the gold when you purify it has to go through the fire too, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just the evil or the impurities that have to go through the fire. Like the gold is also in the fire getting hot. You know what I mean? But the gold doesn't get destroyed by the fire. The evil gets destroyed by the fire, So right? And so a lot of times the judgment still comes on Israel and the evil people that are in it are destroyed. And who knows, maybe some of the like good people are also destroyed but like eternally like their hope is saved like they believe in yahweh right yeah and so of course like their image of that would look different than what we think of but like the remnant of god the gold like is purified in the fire of that judgment the judgment always has a purpose right it's never just for no reason And that's what people miss sometimes the purpose of god's judgment right Yeah. And I think that the Mm -hmm. purpose we can think about, we can misconstrue what the purpose is a lot of the times. And when we hear about the day of the Lord, when we think about God's judgment, when we think about his wrath, we often think about like an eternal damnation or eternal wrath or something that's far off coming in the future, which we kind of talked about. But I think God judges now and he has wrath now and he he wants to refine us and wants to change us and wants us to change our actions now in this world, right? That's what most of, I think, God's wrath is talking about like now, like, for the children of Israel, there are people that lived, and there are people that died, and there are people that God brought his wrath upon so that they would change and mm-hmm. they would be purified.
0: Yeah. And even in Hebrews, you know, it says that God disciplines those he loves. Mm-hmm. And it's for our good that we are disciplined. And it says, like, look, if our earthly fathers disciplined us and we learned respect, how much more our eternal father? Mm-hmm. You know? And so sometimes things happen and God takes us through seasons of refining. And it doesn't feel good, and you're like, God, are you mad at me? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And he's like, No, I'm not mad at you. Maybe you have some behavior that needs to be corrected, but is, I'm actually correcting this because I love you. Yeah. It's actually the It's actually the grace of God and the mercy of God that we go through really hard, challenging, pressing seasons, mm-hmm. because that is where yeah we become refined. We mm-hmm. we look more like Jesus. We like, how would Jesus be able to tell you? you can't be my disciple unless you die to yourself and never give you an opportunity to die to yourself
1: yeah i think it is important like i said to remember that god does not always operate under the same set of rules when it comes to his wrath and that can seem challenging for some people right but like what you you said with the discipline i think discipline is part of god's wrath for sure Mm -hmm. but there is an aspect where it is separate to some extent right because not all discipline that comes from god is because of our sin a lot of discipline is just so that we can continue to grow Right? Yeah.
0: And, and not all discipline in the real world's bad either. You can be disciplined because you disobeyed. Right. Or you can discipline yourself mm-hmm. and and
1: do well. Yeah. To be consistent though, discipline helps us continue to stay with the Lord and not act in ways that are apart from him anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. So in a way, it is to get us to sin less, but maybe isn't a direct response to our sin sometimes. Does That's that make good. sense? That's good. So it is always operating in a way that gets us to sin less or to look more like God, right? To live a life that is more conducive to the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. but maybe is not in direct response to sin that we've done like for the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right? So discipline, in my opinion, can be, um, coming or caused, um, by wrath on sin or on disobedience. Right. But it also can just come about, like you said, like for discipline yeah. so that we can, do, do you
0: think that God, has wrath for his for christians now for children's now like can we cause can we move god to wrath being his servants being christians
1: yeah absolutely i mean was israel saved like we're saved
0: um i would make the argument not all of them
1: okay because paul says that me too yeah yeah Yeah. i don't think not all people who think are christians are saved either right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i heard the stat from someone recently and i thought it was ridiculous and not true but maybe it is, but they said, and this is such a side topic, they said that 50% of Christians that go to church today aren't saved. And I was like, how can you make that assumption? How do you know that? Like, how do you, like, well, you took a poll of all are Christians, you saved? <laughs> Christians are you saved? Yeah. And 50% of them said, no, no, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's ridiculous. But yeah, but yeah, for sure. there are some people who go to church mm-hmm. who claim to be Christian who aren't mm-hmm. sure. Just like there was Israelites who aren't. So I, I think my answer to that is like, wh- how are the Jews? like the Israelites saved, right? They're saved through faith, just like we are. Well, what's
0: interesting is I just, I always think about how there's so many Bible verses about how God will not be angry with us anymore. Mm. And so I look at those and I'm like, and they're all about like kind of messianic prophecies and when when Israel is restored, like this wrath will stop. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or he won't, I will never deal with you in wrath again or I'll never do this again.
1: I almost always assume that when, the Bible makes a never again statement that it's not really saying like apocalyptically forever. Mm. Like this is not okay. going to happen. It's like a, my wrath will be a, a subsided for this time or because of this issue. Mm. I think is a more consistent, like understanding because there's so many times where God says, and then this will like forever be like done or established or like never again will this thing happen. And it happens again. Okay. You know what I mean? It happens again, not to those people or for that instance, but to God's people again later on, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I would think just like when I think about the wrath of God, I would think, I don't know if I would say Christians can move God to wrath as if God will be wrathful towards Christians. I think like emotionally mad. I don't think God's emotionally mad at Christians when they do things that are like sinful. And I don't even know if I would say that God's, well, it depends on the thing, I guess. So I Mm -hmm. I would say like, God is angry at the sin in the world. Like when an injustice happens, when essay happens, when domestic abuse happens, you Mm -hmm. know, like God hates that stuff. You know, it's that Jesus says it's better that someone be thrown in the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than hurt than lead these little ones astray. So I really think, yeah, a, a sinner can, but when I think about Christians, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. If I would say that, God is angry, but maybe he can be angry in moments. Like, it's not an attitude he has towards Christians, but maybe it's something that he can experience situationally. Hmm. Like, he can maybe, like, maybe someone's saved, and they do something that, like, really hurts someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, like, God can be angry at that action. Like, hey, this person, you did this wrong thing, and I'm not going to, like, be dismissive. But his attitude towards Christian is not I think they think that's probably the essence of what I'm saying. God's attitude towards Christians and humans is not first anger. Hmm. but he can be angry, but he's not angry. Does that make sense?
1: Why would why would God's character change from Old the New Testament then for the people? Well, God's saved?
0: character is not angry. It's slow to anger where anger is not anger is not a necessary attribute of God, but he's slow to anger. Like the Bible doesn't say he's not like I'm gracious, compassionate, angry, mm-hmm. full of mercy and faith, or full right, of what right, kindness. Right, right. He says I'm slow to anger, so it's like he has a capacity to feel angry, but he's not angry himself. Just like you right. have like fathers who have the capacity to be angry at their kids when they disobey and do things wrong, mm-hmm. but their attitude's not necessarily anger. Sure,
1: does that make sense? Yeah, I think that oh, this is a lot I have to remember all at the same time to respond to what you're saying. I think that god existing pre-existing before all of this all of us right he doesn't have what we think of as anger or wrath in his character necessarily he has love right and so when creating us he doesn't gain the ability but his love now has the facet of being grieved and the grief of that love is like what we call like anger and wrath it's like his love being justified basically Mm. in my opinion okay Um, so like when we act in ways that don't promote love and community, right. I.E. like sins. Yeah. Then we're tarnishing the love of God that he gave to us and his wrath is now like his love coming to like bring his love back, right. And restore us back to love. And we call it like wrath. We associate it with anger and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it is associated with those things and emotions that God does have, right. Mm -hmm. I think it's just different than what we think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. I think that every time a sin happens, that is how God feels. For Israelites, for like us. Like, he's,
0: he's upset about it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, whether it's, and you can call it wrath. Do you
0: think it's upset at the person or upset about the fact that that person did that thing? Where one's like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? And one is like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's like a grieving. Like, you just don't understand. Like, like oh, why would you do this thing? Like, don't you know the things? But then one would be like, very intentionally attacking the person like you, yourself, why did you do this? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think it's at you. Like at you, like you did this bad thing. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. I don't don't think it's just that the thing, and I think it's hard to escape that. I think that's something we've talked about a lot as Christians, is like God just hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Like the Bible clearly says in the Old Testament that he also hates the sinner.
0: Yeah, he doesn't like the wicked, evil, or the He says
1: it a lot. Like a lot. I only know of one time. No, like all through the Proverbs, he says it, like over and over. And so, like we have to justify that God detests us not loving so much that we can make that a part of our character and then he hates that part of us. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like If the wickedness is the attribute that he's picking out when God said he hates the wicked, right? It's not that he hates everything about them because God says that that he loves everybody, right? He created everybody in his image. He loves all of us, right? But yet simultaneously hates us, right? He hates the, and it's, it's hard to understand, but God can both simultaneously love and hate us at the same time. And this is a whole nother podcast kind of right, but he can love and hate us at the same time. And I know it's a kind of a reformed idea, but I think it's just a scriptural idea. Like, I don't know how you get away from it, especially from the old Testament that like, I am the things that I do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I am the good and the bad that I do. And I can't take away the good or the bad that I do. Christ can. Right. Mm -hmm. But like I am a summation of all the things that I've done, thought, acted upon, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And so I need to be cleaned. I need to be cleansed by Christ to be rid of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so God can hate the parts of me, which are me genuinely that are evil. Mm -hmm. And which is the old Testament says he does, but he also like fully loves me too at the same time.
0: Yeah. I guess when I think of like the wrath of God, I think about it as this idea that can I live in such a way where God is emotionally working and not more than emotionally, but like his attitude is emotionally against me and he's against me and God is causing things to happen in my life Mm. because I've done something to anger him.
1: I don't think God's wrath is ever him being against you. Okay. I think his wrath is always him being for you Okay, and he wouldn't be for you if he lets you continue to be evil. Right. And so God's promotion of love in your life and fostering community and having you live in his kingdom, it would be unloving to let you live a life outside of those things that God has for you. And so in order for God to be for the nation of Israel, he can't let them continue to work the way that they're working or else Mm -hmm. they're not going to look the way that he looks right. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna represent him correctly. And so for us to be in, in alignment with imitating or presenting or being the banner of Christ, we have to look a certain way, and when we're not that way, God's wrath is against us. In my opinion, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Okay. And so, when we think about this in contrast to salvation now, which is what like where that kind of gets thrown off, right? Like we're we're saved, and like the blood of Christ is always on us, and so we're always being forgiven, right, of the things mm-hmm. that we do. Mm-hmm. I think that when we do sin, the like God is always like wanting us to stop doing that and he is grieved by us sinning and all those kind of things right but our sins are always forgiven by christ like, yeah once so you're you
0: time. don't think the wrath of god is like god is intentionally like i'm coming against you for this thing
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't think god is ever against mm-hmm. like us as as christians right you okay what I mean? that's what i was saying yeah yeah okay god is never against us like mm-hmm. yeah i don't think god is ever against anybody Like he's obviously opposed the kingdom of darkness and there's lots of people that are a part of the kingdom of darkness, but if you're a human being, God is not against you. Like he doesn't oppose you even though you opposed him because he loves us even while we're sinners. Right? Mm -hmm. So he's always for us for the restoration of our souls and for us coming to know him. He's always for us in that way, but he's against the things that we do Mm -hmm. if they're evil. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah. And how I would understand it is I think that, yeah, God um, is not, emotionally or like specifically against any individual for anything that an individual does. Mm -hmm. I think God is stationary and you are against him trying to push against him. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you might feel the resistance. Like the Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But I think what that means is not that God's like, Ooh, I don't want to be around you Oh, I'm like, I resist you. I don't like, it's like if you're being, prideful this is kind of getting to the essence of what i think about um the wrath of god or or something like that is that let's say the nature and character of god is a rushing river Mm. that like incredibly fast going like like if you get if you go in like you're being pulled that direction Mm. now what i think the wrath of god is is god's nature is flowing one direction and that is justice and righteousness and godliness and i think what happens is the quote-unquote wrath we feel is just the natural result of what we feel when we try to fight that river. Mm-hmm. If you're in a very strong river and you try to walk upstream against it, you are pro- it's probably gonna sweep your legs and take you out and you're gonna submit to it, right? right? Or it's gonna overcome you. Or if, it's, if you're able to stand against it, you're gonna feel a lot of it coming against you. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, well, why is God against me? Why is this happening? I'm like, well, no, no, no. Maybe your lifestyle is one in which you're resisting the ways of God, mm-hmm. so you're feeling the natural character of god but rather than you experience it as this pleasant enjoyable ride down a river like the rest of us mm-hmm. you're experiencing this stubborn never-ending like power of the river that's coming against you quote unquote yeah because you're not submitting to it mm-hmm. and so yeah the, the river is not like i'm gonna go against this person specifically because i'm so mad at them right it's like this is just how I exist, and you are not submitting to that. Right. So naturally, because like God can't deny his character, he, you're just going to feel the, the that force. Yeah, And we call that the wrath of God, but it's not an emotionally charged angry at the person. It's, hey, I, I'm just not going to stop being God, and you mm-hmm. seem to think that you can overcome me, right. and you're going to lose that battle every time.
1: Yeah, death is uh, is upstream. You know what I mean? Wow, and that's like, such
0: a quote. Death is upstream and we're trying. Did you make that up?
1: Yeah, right now. And I'm just going off your analogy. Woo! Like death is upstream and we're trying to go upstream. And it's just God's character to say like hey, like if you want to if you want life, you got to go with the flow of like my character and you got to mm. keep flowing downstream. Mm. I would not be good and loving if I let you go like back upstream. You know what I mean? I need you to keep going downstream because that is like where my love and my mercy and all these kind of things are. It's just my character Mm -hmm. to make make you to try to keep going like this direction. And of course you can can reject it and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and you can not be in my will anymore and and go your own direction and go to death. But like I – it's going to feel hard to do that and be a Christian because – to continue to be in my stream, to be with me, like you're gonna have to keep going my directions, and yeah. to not go in my direction yeah. is to go towards death. And you can choose to get out of the stream and go back towards death upstream, and it won't be a struggle anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean. But if you, if it's gonna be a struggle, then it means you're going against like my will and my like my character. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. a good analogy, I think.
0: Yeah, because it yeah it helps me understand it. Because sometimes I, I've struggled with thinking like, oh my gosh, is God mad at me right now? Like, is all this stuff happening in my life because? God is mad at me. Mm. And I've had times where I'm, and I've like thought about him and I've like realized, well, God's not, like God is full of love and kindness and goodness and his presence is joy and, and um, or it, in his right hand is joy and his presence is something forevermore. i his presence right now. I just read it. I literally just had it up. But yeah, in his presence is Mercy joy. Mercy forevermore? No, and
1: in his presence is joy and... I think it's in his right hand goodness, our pleasures forevermore. In his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's what I'm thinking about.
0: Oh, yeah. In his pleasures. And his. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, this is a total... This is annoying. <laughs> in your, your presence, there is there's fullness of joy. Fullness and, of joy. And in
1: your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore.
0: Pleasures and... F- yeah, that. So, it's like, there's been times in my life where I'm like, it's gotten mad at me. And I'm like, examining my life. And I'm like, well, I'm pursuing his presence. I'm repenting of sins. I'm I'm focused on sanctification. I'm not being Mm. obstinate, you Mm. know? And then I'm, so I'm just like, no, there's no, God's not mad at me that I'm doing all the things that I should be doing. Yeah. And it's like, what I think is God being mad at me is actually me buying into this lie that God's against me for things I've done. Mm. When the truth is God's seen everything that I will do and still loves me. Like Mm. while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah type of stuff you know what I mean yeah and so sometimes it's when we think about we we can fall for the lie that God is personally coming against me or or you because you're doing these things mm-hmm. and now if you're living in unrepentant sin maybe that I would say yes that's true that could happen mm-hmm. but if you're not living in unrepentant if you were living in unrepentant sin you might not care about the wrath of God mm-hmm. you know you might not you might be like oh that's fine yeah but if your attitude is like really concerned it's like well then that's probably not you
1: Right, and honestly, we think about God being against us and God hating us in such human terms, right? Like, if I hate someone, I'm against them. Like, there isn't restoration, and there isn't any of that within my Mm. idea of my hate and my against themness. Right? You know what I mean? And for God, those things are completely a part of Him being against us. Right? Mm. If Him being against us is Him being against all the ways that we're evil, and in our understanding of it, is like, no, God hates me, and He doesn't want me to be like with Him or be a part of Him. Not true. God's hating, hating you like isn't about him hating like you and not wanting you to be a part of him. He hates you and wants you to be a part of him, right? Like he hates you and, and wants you to be like restored and redeemed. But he hates how you're acting and like the ways that you're adding to your identity and who you are in this mm-hmm. life. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like
0: if you had a friend or a family member... Who's an abusive alcoholic, drug abuser, mm-hmm. like in jail, and just keeps like getting doing things to add to their sentence? Yeah, and you're like, dude, I love you so much. I wish you would stop this. Right, like I'm mad because you're you're doing things that are destroying your life, and I I want what's best for you. Yeah,
1: because he loves us. He feels yeah. that way towards us, right? right? But he hates the parts of us that like want to do those things still. The parts the, of us that are yeah. And world. the
0: beautiful thing I've been thinking about this a lot. The beautiful thing is that God sees those parts of us that he hates and his promises, I will remove those. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll, yeah. I'll totally transform you. So like those parts of you don't even Ooh. like the Bible says that like, it's like he, he throws them in a, in a sea of forgetfulness or he's forgotten our sins. Cause like he looks at us and just sees Jesus. Mm. And that's, what's so crazy is like, that's another reason why I'm like, if you're a Christian and God sees you, he looks at, the cross and looks at jesus when he sees you because you're clothed in the righteousness of jesus and he knows all the junk that you're doing but he's choosing to overlook it because he's redeeming you because you have a new heart mm-hmm. like you will change it's pre you, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of god mm-hmm. so although you have all these things that are like yeah sinful and god's like i don't like those things he knows he's like look i don't like those things but i know that I'm conforming them Mm -hmm. and he knows what things he's doing in you to conform you right now. And that those things will iron them. will like just leave their iron iron out and and they'll be eradicated because God is faithful to you. Yeah. You know, he's the author and finisher of your faith. He started your story. He's going to finish it. And all these problems you see right now, maybe you are like, I don't know, stressed college student and you're struggling to, for money. So you're thinking about like, Oh, should I sell drugs? Or maybe you're a Christian Mm-hmm. Dating someone, and, and you're like, I'm still really struggling with sexual purity, or really, I'm doing mm-hmm. like God sees all that, and He still loves you, and He's working in your story to make you like Him mm-hmm. and transform your heart. And so, like we've been talking about, you've got to submit to the stream and the ways of God and submit to that river and flow with Him, and you will, it might work out,
1: yeah, or will work out. I want to amend something I not amend, but I want to talk about something I talked about earlier that I want to clarify a little bit. You asked me if the wrath of God still abides? Or not On abides. Christians. On Christians, I said yes. I think there is differences. Like I said, you can't just run with one definition all the time of right. what God's wrath is. We talked about uh, sometimes discipline. It's,
0: sometimes it's discipline, sometimes it's punishment.
1: And I don't think it's always the same even if it's just discipline or, or punishment, right? Because I think punishment can come for those that are that are still Christian like for doing evil things but it's it's covered by the blood of Christ still mm-hmm. obviously. Okay. So like when John's talking about I think it's a different context. When John talks about the wrath of God still abides on them, he's talking about Christians versus non-Christians. Right? Yeah. So people yeah. who are following Christ versus who aren't. Like then that wrath obviously still abides. So just different contexts there that I wanted to smooth out just so you yeah. didn't Yeah.
0: Which is twisted. interesting because the the Bible does say that Jesus took on the sins of the world, but yet yeah. so you would think okay the punishment's done. Yeah. So if God if, if the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why does the wrath of God abide on those outside of Jesus?
1: Yeah, I always, I got this from Michael Heiser. I think this is beautiful. I think that our thinking always needs to be in terms of the ancient Near East and how people before the first century would have understand like what the Bible meant because I think that's how the New Testament was written as well, right? And so I just love thinking about things in the New Testament and the Old Testament terms So if I look at God's wrath from like the prophets, for example, God's wrath all of the time, like these oracles of destruction that are coming for the day of the Lord, they're coming against Israel, but also against all unbelievers, Mm -hmm. right? And everybody who does evil, right? So God, especially if he's judging Judah, right? Like after, uh, after they get split, one half goes off, the other half or not half, but the remnant is left over and God's judging them or something. You have like the judgment toward those people like who are acting incorrectly in Judah. But then God broadens it and says, but anybody in all these nations who is doing evil, my day of the Lord is coming for them as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to judge them. And so you see the wrath of God on all evildoers, followers of Yahweh and not, you know what I mean? And you can make some arguments in there that like, well, the people that God is bringing judgment upon in the children of Israel, uh, they're not following God. That's why they have judgment coming upon them. And I think that that's fair right? Mm -hmm. I think obviously God's judgment like can come upon people who are following him if they do evil. Like there's people in the New Testament who are Christian and also sinned and lied and God brought their judgment upon them. Ananias and Mm -hmm. Sapphira, right? And so, you can make arguments, those people aren't saved, the Jews weren't saved, like all this kind of stuff. I just think it's more consistent to say that God hates evil in individuals. Call God's wrath coming upon Christians so that they change discipline. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still still think Mm -hmm. it's wrath. in my opinion well it's a
0: form of wrath like any good parent is going to see something their kids doing not like it Mm -hmm. and discipline it now the difference i think between god and humans is that and some parents do this is that sometimes parents will give a spanking when they're in the heat of their anger Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what I, i think a better way would be like for the for the individual to calm down and then give the spanking. Mm-hmm. So it's not like so emotionally charged. But I think like the God's not like God sees it and he's perfectly just. So he knows how to execute. It. And that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, the wrath hasn't applied equally all the time because he's a just God. He's going to take the situation mm-hmm. a, as it is. But yeah, when he, when Jesus says that the wrath of God abides on those outside of him. And, and this is what you're saying is we want to understand that passage in the guise of, well, what, and if, how were the first? How did the first-century Jews understand wrath,
1: mm. or even before that? Yeah, yeah b-
0: before that, but they understood it from the lens of the people before right. them, for sure, right? Yeah. So it's like let's understand this the way they would understand it, and that's a really good thing to practice because, yeah, you're like like we're saying like the wrath of God abides to those outside of Christ, but the the sacrifice of Christ was sufficient for all sin. So how does that work? Mm-hmm. And it really could be the like as simple as like. Hey, everyone in the prison is free. Well, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's like, look,
0: like, yeah, like everyone, I've paid everyone's debt. Every prisoner can go free. But if you choose to not walk out of the prison, you're still a prisoner. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like Jesus has done everything that he can do for us to get saved. And now it's our job to respond Mm -hmm. and then help people respond. So some people are looking at the prison walls like I'm stuck in here. And that's like all they need is someone to go to them and say, hey, turn around. The gate's open. Right. The Prison doors are open, but they don't know that, so they stay in prison. The wrath of the prison, quote unquote, is upon them, mm. but only because they're staying in prison when they have a way to get out.
1: Yeah, if you should read Romans, Romans, Romans. if you just read Romans 4, it says that we have wrath because of the law, right? Mm. That's why we mm. have wrath because okay, there's yeah. a law. And so, when Christ comes and fulfills the law, right now. The law, the wrath doesn't abide on us mm-hmm. if we're now no longer under the law because we have Christ, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's why I think John is saying, like, that now the law or now the wrath doesn't abide on us if we're in Christ, right? Because he's the fulfillment of it. But if you're not being fulfilled by Christ, you're still under the law, right? And of course, Gentiles under a different law, right? Than the Jews were, but that's not, I guess, neither here, neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but no matter what, God is always against evil, like, that's happening. And so it would be kind of silly to say that. Oh, well, now God's judgment and his, uh, like, his wanting us to be pure, because that's the point of his judgment, is now no longer coming against Christians, because we can act Mm -hmm. however we want, Mm -hmm. right? We're always supposed to be sanctified. The language is different, but God is never going to leave us where we're at. He gives us new hearts and new minds and is always calling us higher. And in that calling higher, like we need to be directed and disciplined at times, Mm -hmm. right? That language just changes.
0: Yeah, and Paul says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so there's clearly some type of thing you can do to cause God to have an emotional reaction. Mm. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean God is always having sunshine and rainbows, positivity towards us, Right, but he will always have love. And that's the thing we have to understand. Like, if you have a good judge, if you have a loving, if someone loves you in your life, you want them to be capable of wrath.
1: Mm.
0: Everyone wants the person they love to be capable of standing up for them and helping them in time of need or come against evil. You know, imagine like someone breaks into my house and I claim to love my wife, but when someone breaks in, I don't defend it, my house and like things get stolen, people get hurt, mm. and and my wife would be like, "I thought you loved me. Why didn't you defend this? What are you doing?" i mm. are like, "Well, I just I I want I didn't want to hurt him. I love him." It's like no, like if someone breaks in my house, it's like, "Yeah, I love my wife. I love that guy. I do, I want." I want the best case scenario, so I'm going to do what I can to use anything in my power to stop this situation in the safest way. But love isn't passive. Mm-hmm. Love is capable of anger.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Wow. That
1: was great. Nice podcast.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening in on our conversation on the wrath of God.
1: Mm-hmm. If you got questions about it, you can let us know too. We can do a second episode clarifying some things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I hope this helped you guys understand it. I know it can be a hard topic at times, but send us to someone who you think could benefit from it. Yeah. Comment your favorite part.
1: Yeah, don't be confused about God hating us, too. Like, God doesn't hate us. You confused everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does... <laughs> God like... doesn't
0: hate us, but we don't know about other people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Bible's clear that God, like, detests, hates, is apart from sinners, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, he hates those actions, and he also loves everybody at the same time. And it's because he loves everybody and hates the things that they do and the things that are part of them, that he would come to this earth and die for us, that we could be saved, right? It's the beauty of the gospel that he, that while we were enemies of him, while he hated us, like he decided to love us and die for us his enemies, mm-hmm. right? It's the whole, whole purpose of like loving your enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. is the gospel. So don't get it twisted because I'm from 2001 and, uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Come back next time.